You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Matt Fellow Adventurous, I'm in Eggmark, and it's time to explore those ruins that we found last time. Make our way to Yosila's hut, take the boat to Hawknest Island, explore the island, previously discovered location, and now let's go find the ancient ruins. You're standing in amongst the crumbling ruins of an ancient structure. On the eastern side of Hawkwest Island, the massive blocks that make up the walls of the once imposing building lie scattered throughout the surrounding forest. Near the centre of the ruins is a wide opening in the earth, through which descends a set of broad stone steps. The steep run of stairs vanishes into darkness only a few yards below. Climb down the stairs. You're standing at the base of a broad set of stone steps leading up and out of these underground corridors. The musty swell, smell of damp earth fills this stagnant air. Okay, I'm in a little donut. The lonely sounds of your footfalls echo along the dark, musty corridors of these ancient ruins. Okay, I'm in a little donut. Start off on the north side. There's a question mark on the east side. Here it is. You're standing at the top of a broad set of stone steps that descend approximately 20 feet to a lower level of these ancient ruins. Descend the steps. You're standing at the bottom of a set of broad stone steps that ascend approximately 20 feet to an upper level of these ancient ruins. Alright, I started in the northwest corner of a little donut. Ooh, 
Your cautious exploration comes from an abrupt halt as a sinister shape looms out of the darkness ahead. You instinctively fall back and draw yourself into a defensive stance as a staggering undead horror lurches into view. A rotting ghoul, his festering torso covered by the tattered remnants of a grey tulip, moans loudly as it moves towards you, its arms outstretched and its claw-tipped fingers sprayed in anticipation of seizing its intended prey. It's a ghoul guardian. Let us begin. Gore moans and swipes out at you. Uh, and it is slain. 9 XP. Taking a few moments to recover from the fight, you quickly check over your equipment before once again setting off along the corridor. Your cautious exploration of comes to an abrupt halt as a sinister shape looms out the darkness ahead. Instinctively fall back and draw yourself into a defensive stance as a staggering undead horror lurches into view. An armoured skeleton, its grey tabard hanging in tatters over the pitifully rusted chain waistcoat, hisses as it moves into attack. His fleshless digits wrap tightly around the hilt of its ancient blade. It's a skeletal swordsman. It slashes at you and is slain. 9 XP. After taking a few moments to recover from the fight, you quickly check over equipment before once again setting off along the corridor. Okay, there's a question mark on the east side of the donut. You're standing at the top of a set of broad stone steps that send approximately 20 feet to a lower level of these ancient ruins. Descend the stairs. You're standing at the bottom of a set of broad stone steps that send approximately 20 feet to an upper level, these ancient ruins. Okay, I was in the southwest part of the donut. Alright, another undead horror. A chain-clad corpse, its low, moanful wail echoing along the passage, moves in to attack, its decayed hand clutching the hilt of a rusted sword. It's a long dead warrior. Viciously attacks you. Your enemy lays a particularly brutal stroke for 12 damage. And it is slain. 9 XP. To take a few moments to recover from the fight, you quickly check over your equipment before once again setting off along the corridor. Okay. There's a question mark on the south side. You're standing at the top set of broad stone steps descend approximately 20 feet to a lower level of the ancient ruins. Descend the stairs. You're standing at the bottom of a set of broad stone steps that descend approximately 20 feet to an upper level of these ancient ruins. Okay, I'm in a bigger part. I'm in a bigger part of the dungeon now. I'm near the northeast corner. There I am, northeast corner. It's another undead thing. A chain-clad corpse. Its low, mournful wail, echoing along the passage, moves in to attack. Its declared hands, clutching the haft of a wafted axe. It's a long, dead warrior. The corpse viciously attacks you. And is slain. 9 XP. 
taking a few moments to recover from the fight and quickly check over your equipment before once again setting off along the corridor. A large round iron plate fixed to the east wall in this section of the corridor. The weighty disc appears unremarkable, save for six small square impressions set around an engraving of the sun at its centre. Well, gonna have to wait until I find six small square things to put in those impressions. It's another long dead word, just gonna quick combat that. Another 9xp. Alright. As the sarcophagus rests on a plinth against the north section of the corridor, the ornate burial box and its heavy stone lid are covered with strange engraved symbols. Attempt to open it. Thick stone lid proves too heavy to budge. And another sarcophagus. And another sarcophagus. And another one. Alright, that's a set of stairs, broad stone steps that descend approximately 20 feet to a lower level of these ancient ruins. Yes, I'm just going to finish exploring the middle bit. It's a skeletal swordsman, going to quick combat that one. It XP for that. It's another sarcophagus. And another sarcophagus. And another sarcophagus. So it looks like there's six sarcophaguses. Sarcophagi. Sarcophia. Whatever the plural is. Okay. Time to go down the stairs. I've pretty... Now I suspect I'm going to have to open. Uh, as a skeletal swordsman, let's quick combated that. Expect I'm gonna something's gonna happen, which was gonna open those sarcophaguses, and each one of them are going to have some sort of undeaded, and they will drop the six square things which I put in that impression. Okay, descending the stairs. Now I'm in a southwestern donut, north side of that donut. It's another question mark to the east. It's a long dead warrior. Quick combat that. 9xp. You're standing at the set of broad stone steps. Descend approximately 20 feet to a lower level of these ancient ruins. Descend the stairs. You're standing at the bottom of a set of broad stone steps. Descend approximately 20 feet to an upper level of these ancient ruins. Alright, there's another set of stairs. I'm just going to descend them. Lonely, lonely sounds of your footfalls echo along the dark, musty corridors of these ancient ruins. A hideous stone face is carved into the eastern wall of this section of the passage. The broad face, only vaguely human in appearance, displays a grim, almost sinister expression. Uh, let's see, what could that be? Let's see. Yep, so I'm on the eastern side of the final donut. This one's one wider. Pressed into a deep soppy in the centre of the bulbous nose. 
protrudes from the engraved face the square black gem. The opaque soap seems to emit a low hum. A short verse has been engraved on the wall just below the face. Read the engraved verse. You carefully study the short cryptic verse carved on the wall beneath the engraved face. Six to lie, a legion to woe, a six to secret spared beneath my home. Six to wake, a legion to fall, a secret shared within my hall. Alright, so I've got to wake up those skeletons and defeat them and I'll get something nice. Although I sort of suspected that without reading the poem. Alright, time to remove the black gem. The instant you close your hand around the black gem, a powerful jolt of energy surges through your body. You instinctively recoil, staggering into the centre of the passage as you attempt to stave off the, the ravaging effects of the deadly ancient magic still guarding the curious stone. Your neville reserve has been depleted. Having failed to retrieve the stone, you're about to consider another measure for removing it when suddenly, when you suddenly realise the gem is no longer there. A thin coating of dust is all that remains to mark the spot upon which the black gem rested only moments ago. Okay, I guess... A vicious hiss suddenly shatters the silence. You immediately draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as a cloaked, hooded figure steps out of the darkness ahead. As a sinister being closes in, you're overwhelmed by a nauseating sense of decay. The fleshless face is wide, eye sockets each illuminated by dazzling pinpoints of golden fire. It's revealed as, your, as the vile and dead creature becomes fully immersed in the glow of your light. Without warning, the skeletal menace stretches wide its fang-filled jaws and tears along the remainder of the corridor, its claw-tipped hands poised to tear into your flesh. It's a bone lord. The savage undead creature tears at you with its claws. Yes, and just keeps doing that, and is slain. Okay, 71 XP. You step back from the remains of your undead foe, and struggle to catch your breath following the brutal melee. A quick search of the worm skeleton's remains turns up a small, square, glittering blue garnet. Believing that the curious object may prove useful, you promptly take possession of it. It's a glittering blue garnet. Let's go this small, square, glittering blue garnet amidst the remains of a robed skeleton you defeated in the ancient ruins on Hawkwest Island. With the garnet squared safely tucked away, you quickly set off along the corridor. Okay, we've got a square thing. Suddenly, you suddenly draw to a halt and stare wide-eyed gruesome sight that looms into view just ahead at the edge of your light. The bloodied body of a man, his levered armour in tatters, and a studied skullcap covering his head, lies face down in the centre of the passage. A sword lies next to the slain man's white hand. As you get closer, it becomes evident the man 
not only met some grisly fate here, deep in the ancient ruins, but that he'd been dead for quite some time, the stench of what rises from his decaying remains. You carefully turn the body over, and are surprised to discover that the slain man, though his body is whittled with a series of deep gashes, is much older than you had expected. A tangle of white hair protrudes from just under the banded whim of his leather skull, skull wrap, betraying the long life that ultimately led to such an unfortunate end. You make a quick search of the man's body and discover his sword, small quantity of gold, and a thin square plate of hammered gold. It's a well-crafted short sword, thin gold plate. You discovered this thin square plate of hammered gold on the body of a slain adventurer deep within the ancient ruins on Hawk West Island, 7XP. Confident you haven't missed anything of importance, you pause to offer a silent prayer for, some, for the unknown soul. Those days among the living apparently came such a brutal end in this lonely, dark place. Then, without further delay, you respectfully move his body to the edge of the corridor, for once again setting off through the musty gloom. Yep, the body of the slain man, which you previously discovered, lies at the edge of the corridor here. Okay, ascending the stairs. No, I'm make ascending the stairs again. All right. The southwest donut. A vicious hiss suddenly shatters the silence. You immediately draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as a cloaked, hooded figure steps out of the darkness ahead. As the sinister being closes in, you're overwhelmed by a nauseating sense of decay. Fleshless face, its wide eye sockets, each illuminated by dazzling pinpoints of golden fire, Revealed as the vile and dead creature becomes fully immersed in the glow of your light. Without warning, the skeletal men- menace stretches wide its fang-filled jaws and tears along the remainder of the corridor, its claw-tipped hands poised to tear into your flesh. It's a bone lord. The savage undead creature tears at your flesh. Your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 22 damage. Oh dear, oh dear. And it's going to be, and that, that adds up because I've had all my NV drained. So I cannot heal. 71 XP. You step back from the remains of your undead foe and struggle to catch your breath following the brutal melee. A quick search of the robed skeleton's remains turns up a small square glittering blue garnet. Believing the curious object may somehow prove useful, you promptly take possession of it. It's a glittery it's another glittering blue garnet. The gu- garnet. With the garnet safely tucked away, you quickly set off along the corridor. Alright. Just wandering around, it's another bow lord. Vicious hiss suddenly shatters the silence. You immediately draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as a cloaked, hooded figure steps out of the darkness ahead. As the sinister being closes in, you're overwhelmed by a nauseating sense of decay. A fleshless face, 
its wide eye sockets illuminated by dazzling pinpoints of golden fire, is revealed as the vile and dead creature becomes suddenly immersed in the glow of your light. Without warning, the skeletal menace stretches wide its fang-filled jaws and, te- and tears along the remainder of the corridor, its bone-tipped hands poised to tear into your flesh. It's the Bone Lord. Tears at you with his claws. Smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 24 damage. But is now slain. 71 XP. You step back from the remainder of your undead foe. And catch up to catch your breath following the brutal melee. A quick search of the robed skeleton's remains turns up a small, square, glittering blue garnet. Believing the curious object may prove somewhat useful, you promptly take possession of it. That's three garnets now. With the garnet safely tucked away, you quickly set off along the corridor. Oh, it's another one. A vicious hiss suddenly shatters the silence. You immediately draw yourself into combat ready stance as a cloaked, hooded figure steps out of the darkness ahead. As the sinister being closes in, you're overwhelmed by a nauseating sense of decay. A fleshless face, its wide eyes, each illuminated by dazzling pinpoints of golden fire, is revealed as the vile undead creature becomes fully immersed in the glow of your light. Without warning, the skeletal menace stretches wide its fang-filled jaws and tears along the remainder of the corridor. Claw-tipped hands poised to tear into your flesh. It's a bone lord. The savage undead creature tears at you with its claws. And is now slain. Another 71 XP. You step back from the remains of your undead foe and struggle to catch your breath following the brutal melee. A quick search of the womb skeleton remains turns up a small, square, glittering blue garnet. Believing the curious object may somehow prove useful, you promptly take possession of it. That's four now. With the garnet safely tucked away, you quickly set off along the corridor. Okay, I'm going to make my way to the middle part of the dungeon. Check on the sarcophagi. An open sarcophagus rests on the cliff against the north section of the corridor. The ornate burial box is heavy stone, stone lid pulled back to reveal a deep but empty interior. It's covered with strange engraved symbols. Yep, yep, as I suspected, those bone lords, they came out of the sarcophagi. Or sarcophaguses. A vicious hiss subtly shatters the silence. You immediately draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as a cloaked, hooded figure steps out of the darkness ahead. As the sinister being closes in, you're overwhelmed by a nauseating sense of decay. A fleshless face, its wide eye sockets each illuminated by gasoline pinpoints of golden fire, is revealed as the vile undead creature becomes fully immersed in the glow of your light. Without warning, the skeletal menace stretches wide its fang-filled jaws and tears along the remainder of the corridor. Its claw-tipped hands poised to tear into your flesh to bone lord. The savage creature tears at you with its claws. Alright, 
your, your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 28 damage. It's nearly down, and it is slain. 71 XP. You step back from the remains of your undead foe and struggle to catch your breath following the brutal melee. A quick search of the robe skeleton's remains turns up a small, square, glittering blue garnet. Believing the curious object may somehow prove useful, you promptly take possession of it. It's a glittering blue garnet. There's five of them now. One more to go. With the garnet safely tucked away, you quickly set off along the corridor. Okay, I cannot heal after this battle because all my NV was drained. I only have 177 SP left. A vicious hiss suddenly shatters the silence. You immediately draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as a cloaked, hooded figure steps out of the darkness ahead. As the sinister being closes in, you're overwhelmed by a nauseating sense of decay. A fleshless face. Its wide eye sockets, each illuminated by dazzling pinpoints of golden fire, is revealed as the vile undead creature becomes fully immersed in the glow of your light. Without warning, the skeletal menace stretches wide its fang-filled jaws and tears along the remainder of the corridor. Its claw-tipped hands poised to tear into your flesh. It's the sixth and last Bone Lord. Ooh, Quickstone just stored another twenty. The savage undead creature tears at you with its claws. There we go. And I get into the battle wage, but then I went, went, got wiped back out of it again. And then I went to battle wage again. Gah! Ah, why do you have to guard the things? Ah, it's annoying. I mean, you know I'm going to beat you. Just give me the garnet. Ah, and it is slain. 71 XP. You step back from the remains of your brute undead foe and struggle to catch your breath following the brutal melee. A quick search of the robed skeleton's remains turns up a small, square, glittering blue garnet. Believing the curious object may somehow prove useful, you promptly take possession of it. Glittering blue garnet. Gonna use it quickly so it'll be on the quick use panel. With the garnet safely tucked away, quickly set off along the garn on the corridor. That's all six garnets now. Back to back to that plaque on the eastern side. A large Round iron plate is affixed to the east wall in this section of the corridor. The weighty disc appears unremarkable, save for six small square impressions set about an engraving of the sun at the centre. particular item may be of use here, and I happen to know it's the glittering blue garnets. Yeah, they're used. You, pl you place your blue garnets into empty impressions at the centre of the iron disc. The glittering gems fit perfectly, each of them snapping into place with a series of sharp clicks that echo along the passage. 96 XP to General. A la the large round iron plate affixed to the wall in this section. Oh, God, oh, it's weighty disc means unremarkable, 
say for six small square impressions set around the engraving of the sun at the centre. All six impressions are filled with glittering blue garnets. Suddenly, a loud groaning rumble fills the corridor as the wall bearing the iron disc begins to slowly sink into the floor. You watch in amazement as an entire section of the wall continues to sink until its top is flushed with the surrounding stone. A small alcove to the east, long hidden behind the wall, has been revealed. Alright, there it is. I can I can see the alcove now. I'll just go there. You're standing in a small, previously hidden alcove just to the east of the main corridor. A wooden table stands against the back wall of the alcove. A stoppered vial of blue liquid rests atop the table. Examine the vial. A small vial sealed with red wax is, is, is filled with a thick blue liquid. Several thin cracks are visible on the side of the vial, leading you to believe that t- taking the bottle with you will surely prove its ruin. If you wish to consume the contents of the vial, you will need to do it here. Now... While in real life, just drinking random things you just find lying around, which you have no idea what there is, especially if they're brightly coloured, is a very, very bad idea, which is likely to kill you. <laughs> yes, but when you're an adventurer, the more, the more glowy a liquid is, the more likely it is to help you. <laughs> Alright, well it's not glowy. <laughs> it's just thick blue. Alright, drink the blue liquid. You carefully remove the wax seal and sniff the opening of the vial. Only to discover that the thick blue liquid that fills the bottle has no noticeable scent. So taking a te- deep breath and exhaling sharply, you quickly consume the contents of the vial. Apart from a slight sense of nausea, nothing seems to happen. Before you can place the empty vial down on the table, the cracked vessel shatters into several jagged fragments, which you promptly discard. You're standing in a small, previously hidden alcove just to the east of the main corridor. A wooden table stands against the back wall of the alcove, head back west. Alright, I guess it's time to make my way out. Send the stairs to the north to the northeastern donut, take the stairs to the northern donut, and then take the stairs to the northwest donut. And now leave. Climb the stairs and leave. Suddenly, a series of sharp pains are whopped into your abdomen, dubbing you o- over and forcing you to your knees. Amidst agonised gasps, your thoughts immediately return to the vial of blue liquid you recently consumed. Much to your relief, almost as suddenly as the pains began, they abruptly seat. Struggling to regain your wind, you struggle to your feet and steady yourself against the wall. Okay, I guess it was poison. Oh, well, that, I guess that's to be expected. Or maybe it wasn't poison when it was buried. But over 
hundreds, maybe thousands of years, it turned into poison. Oh. As the lingering vestiges of the pain swiftly depart, the strange and wondrous effects of the potion at last take hold. Oh, 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 wait. It's not poison. My melee rating has been permanently increased by one. Your stamina points have been permanently increased by one. 1,024 experience the general and 256 experience to all skills and powers. Quite nice. Now completely recover from the strange but rewarding ordeal. Prepare to continue on your way. Right, now leave the temple. Right, move away. Now, I found an item here. And, well... There was a place I found last time where it said use an item. So... Square Impressionist sent into the centre of the carved image. Looks as if the impression is designed to hold something. Okay, what is it? Thin gold plate. Use? Put it to use. You carefully place the thin gold plate into the impression in the centre of the engraving. The plate is a perfect fit. 128 experiences level. Suddenly, a low rumble rises from somewhere deep within the earth, accumulating a series of violent tremors that shake the ground beneath your feet. The less than a minute, both the rumble and the tremors have disappeared. You discover, much to your, much to your surprise, the gold plate you placed into the impression in the engraved image is no longer able to be removed. The thin square of gold is now a permanent part of the engraving. The, the rocky promontory upon which your perch extends out from the top of the sheer cliff that rises nearly 50 feet above the dark water of Lake Hebeck. Alright, yep, man, that's the same as it was when we first met it. Take the boat back. You take Yersa's sturdy boat back across the lake and arrive safely, but exhausted on the stony shore near her small ramshackle hut. Alright, return. Is it Yuselia, I guess? Yuselia, wearing the amulet to recover for on Hawkness Island, invites you in and promptly offers you a steaming bowl of fish stew that has been stimmering over the fire. To a large hoping of delicious stew, which is accompanied by several servings of paleo, you spend nearly an hour conversing, you know, conversing with her across a wide range of subjects. At length, happy to have shared her company, but weary of overstaying your welcome, you thank her for the meal and bid her farewell. She again thanks you for finding and returning the amulet as you make your way out of her dwelling. Alright. Return to Edmark. Suddenly. In the days that follow your return to Edmark, you learn that the town's fishing tra trade has suddenly and inexplicably been restored to its former glory. The blue sawfin, 
long a staple of Ed Mark's bountiful touch, has returned to the waters of Lake Ebark in abundance. While the many locals seem fit to propose wild theories about what has brought back the prized fish, you can't help but think that something you may have done while exploring Hawk West Island might have played a role. 256 experienced to general. Presumably it's that idol that that I just put that thin gold plate in. That some way, somehow which brought the sawfin tuna back. Something to do with the beast, perhaps? Who knows? Who knows? But apparently Edmark is 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 back is back to being prosperous. And that's a good thing. Situated on the southern shore of Lake Ebark, the small town, town of Ebark, boasts a once again thriving fishing trade. Okay, does anything different happen in your Cedar's hut? Uh, no. Nothing different happens there. Two in special goods. Yeah, no, nothing special. Alright, maybe if I speak to him. You speak at length with Turin, who seems to drift from subject to subject for a whim, and were marked despite some recent troubles, has seen a sudden resurgence in his thriving fishing chains. The young sea proper told you the blue sawfin, longer staple of Edmark's renowned catch, has inexplicably returned to the waters of Lake Ebark in great numbers. Ask Turin about the sudden change. Maybe all those sawfin were busy battling the beast, he says, smiling. It's just the way things are. The fish were gone, and now they're back. Sounds a bit simple, to be sure. I don't see that there's really anything mysterious about it. Your conversation with Twyron drifts away from the recent return of the sawfin, and onto a wide variety of topics, most of which are of no interest to you. For several minutes of largely inane chatter, you politely excuse yourself. Alright, visit the tavern. Okay, same, same. Despite the tavern cat, everything's the same until we get to paragraph four. The tavern's crowd seems particularly cheery. Based on several conversations you managed to overhear, it seems the return of the blue sawfin, the staple of Vetmark's catch, so credit for the renewed spirits of the den's hardy patronage. Does Duin say anything different? Nope. Does Adasha say anything different? Nope, nope, she, she's, she's the same. But we have got a new adventure unlocked in the central, in the main town. And this adventure is called the prisoner of Tal Brelek, one of the three, one of three men, a fisherman named Hobmere, continues to relate the account that initially drew your attention. You listen intently as he describes an encounter he had with three of three of the creatures near Hawkwest Island only four days ago. Okay, that seems like it's a pretty long one, but I think. 
Yeah, I think we've probably... I think we'll have enough time for this adventure called The Scourge of Edmark. He goes by the name of Gramir. For a moment, doubt it's his real name, says Jim. He's a dangerous man. Polite on this town. And I don't think folks would care one way or another if he were to go missing. Alright, start the adventure. Just doing normal difficulty. Here we go. Seated at a back table in the Beast Den's common room, you speak at length with Jermyn Cathmark, the tavern's tall, slim and exceptionally pleasant keeper. Dern, he has become quite concerned of late about a local roughneck who during Doju has recently been smuggling something across Lake Ebark. Ebrek, by the way of Ebmark. He goes by the name of Gramir, though I very much doubt that's his real name, says Jermyn. He's a dangerous man, blight on this town. I don't think most folks would care one way or the other if he were to go missing. Dewin says that the cargo Gramir is smuggling must be quite valuable, if he see, as he seems to have taken a great deal of precaution regarding its movements in and out of Ebermark. Don't know what that cargo is, he says, but to be quite honest with you, neither do I care. Grimmer is nothing but trouble for his town. It's good people. The scourge of Evmark is what I call him. He's a bad and dangerous sort. He's in the company of some very dangerous folk. Folk who have no business in Evmark. Durin falls silent and glances around the half-filled room as if to make, se- make certain his next words aren't overheard. It wouldn't be met with tears if he were to disappear one day, he says. Do you know what I mean? I think you do. Jimin tells you that since acquiring a tavern following the disappearance of his previous owner, April, he's, be- he's become aware of problems caused by Gramware and his crew of brigands, particularly the suspected association with certain nefarious elements. These elements being the Night Whisperers. Yeah, they are... they're bad. There aren't, aren't many who will say it, but I believe Gramir has somehow involved them with what's happened. Was somehow involved with what happened to Isbrook, he says. I can't prove that, mind. I have to think that he was in on whatever happened to him. I say that because I had a bit of a run with him a couple of weeks back. A very unpleasant one at that. He threatened me. Julian explains that Gramir asked to arrange to meet with several associates in the tavern's common room after dark when the beast den was closed. Already suspicious of the local roughneck and his cohorts, Dewan refused his request. Grover issued him a subtle but chilling thrust. He told me to watch out. I don't end up in the belly of the beast, says Dewan. Immediately four of April, though I never met him. I think he very... He might very well be at the bottom of the lake. Jin tells you that he didn't reveal anything about Grania's threat to his wife, Alessa. He says he, he would have immediately confronted the brigand, and likely she would have immediately confronted the brigand, and likely made an already dangerous situation much worse. We, Odessa and I, we're not the sort that needs to come, Grania, he says. You, however, are precisely the sort who listen to someone like you. 
At the very least, he won't be so quick to make threats or draw arms against you. I believe he's probably a coward at heart. Regretfully, he's also the sort, sort to have no qualms about dispatching batching that batching he deems to fret to his enter to his enterprise. Chewing glances back around the con room and turns his attention back to you. His searching gaze believe, leading you to believe he's attempting to discern your reaction to what he just said. If Grandma happened to disappear along the shores, none would give it a second thought, he says quietly. They might even say the beast did it. The beast seems to get a blame for quite a lot around here. It's no family about that we know of. It's not likely to be missed by anyone. Save the unsavoury lot employed in his dark little endeavours. Jean tells you he would he would like for you to rid the town of Gramir once and for all. He doesn't he dares he doesn't care how you go about it, or what the outcome of Gramir is, as long as the Waffneck never returns to Edmark. He says he will pay you what he can afford if you succeed. I'm sure you already know how best how to accomplish this, he says. Please, Soup, will you help us so I can agree or decline? You can use divination just to check things out. Succeeded. You sense that 4xB to divination. You sense that June has told you the truth, what he firmly believes is the truth, about Gramir. Agree to help, Jiren. You agree to help. Telling Jiren that you will deal with Grandma and his crew. The tavern keep nods grimly, then suddenly smiles, telling you it feels as if a great weight has been lifted from him. Ebir will be a better place without him and his brigands haunting our shores, he says. You needn't worry either. There isn't a soul around who will be sorry to see the back of him. Jiren tells you that Gram here has recently been arriving aboard a boat, small boat several times a week at the smallest the three coves on Edmark's shores, nearly a mile east of town. He's got, got a crew of three with him. Sometimes four, he says. I've been told... I've, I had this told to me by a reliable fellow. Managed to see a bit of it myself. There's something going on. That much I can tell you. The boat that comes comes in on... The boat that load comes in on is loaded with something, quite or so much. Something su- smuggling something as, as like as not, but hardly matters what. He thinks he's got free reign to do as he pleases. doesn't care who he hurts or who he crosses. You ask Jiren about the cove. He provides you with directions to the unit. He then tells you that according to his reliable fellow, Gromio will again be landing at the cove tonight, just after midnight. That will be the place to confront him, he says, out of sight and away from town. And remember, the important thing is that he doesn't return. How you decide to assure the outcome is, of course, up to you. Jorin tells you that several hours to go before, go before you need to depart. You should rest up for the night's excursion. He tells you to settle in near the fire in the common room and offers you both ale and paleo. Never know what what folk will fancy to fortify themselves with, he says. Round here, there's a bit, those bit by the lake's chill, just as likely to want paleo as they want ale.
Having spent spent the remainder of the afternoon and most of the evening in the beast den's common room, alternated between paler and ale, we set out for Redmark an hour before midnight, headed for the cove described to you by Jirin. Following a well-worn road leading out of town to the east, you reach the cove and immediately take cover in the woods on the western edge of the inlet. There, lurking in the shadows, you stare out across the black, mist-covered expanse of Lake Ebark. A chill breeze sweeps off the water and drifts ashore, now and again rattling the leaves in the upper reaches of the trees that surround you. Having estimated that you have been waiting nearly an hour, you're beginning to wonder if there will be no landing at the cove tonight, when the sudden and unmistakable sound of footfalls reaches your ears, slowly turning your head in the direction of the sound. You watch as the lone, dark figure of the man moves cautiously along the wide track that leads down from the road and onto the cove's stony shore. He watches the man approaches the shore of the lake and holds up the shuttered lantern. He looks around, then rapidly shutters and unshutters the lamp several times, spilling the lantern's bright light across the dark waters of the lake in what seems to be a rehearsed pattern. After several moments, another light, far out on the dark surface of the lake, flashes three times, an obvious answer to the signal sent from shore. The man, now standing just a few yards from the lake's edge, shutters and lowers his lantern. Your eyes become fixed on the distant black shape bobbing on the misty surface of the lake. As the shape draws closer to to shore, you realise it is a small boat. After several minutes, you can make out what appear to be four people crowded into the tiny vessel. It's now obvious that the man standing nearby is a lookout. It's just signal to the occupants of the boat that it's safe for them to come ashore. Quickly decide that your best move would be to take out care of the lookout while he's alone. So I've got a few options here. I'm going to attack him. I could remain in hiding and observe. I could use archery, illusion, elementalism, thievery, or telekinesis. So I'll give thievery a go. 4x speed of thievery. Utilising your mastery of the art of stealth. You steal out of the strict trees and sneak up behind the unsuspecting lookout. In a brazen display of skill, you tap the man once on the shoulder and swiftly slink undetected into the shadows as he whips his head in all directions. His eyes scour the darkness for any sign of whatever just touched him. Twice more, you repeat your bold tactic and it quickly becomes apparent the panicking man has had enough. Clearly unnerved by the strange and unsavoury turn of events, the man suddenly drops his lantern and hastily retreats from the cove, swiftly vanishing in the surrounding gloom. Remaining hidden. Hidden in the trees, you watch as the small boat comes ashore. and the vessel slips into the shadows, four figures clamber over the sides and haul the laden craft craft onto the stony patch of earth at the edge of the dark lake. You immediately hear one of the two men refer to one of the 
Two of the men refer to one of the others as Gramir. The man identified as Gramir tells the other three men that he wishes to unload the boat before fetching the wagon. You also hear Gramir's comment on the missing lookout. As the four men begin retrieving, removing wooden white crates from the boat, realise the time has come to make your next move. Now, if I was them and I know that the lookout had disappeared between the flashes and now, just suddenly, I would be suspicious. Just, just a bit suspicious. I'd probably say, uh, just check, check the trees or something. So I can attack Grimeo and his crew, or approach them. I'll approach them first. You move out of the trees and brazenly approaches four men. Grimeo is the first to spot you, and he quickly alerts his three cohorts who swiftly draw up, wrap around him. The hardened gaze is fixed on you. You've business here? He asks. I you suspiciously. So I can just attack them? Or attempt to persuade Gramir to leave? I guess I'll do the top one. You boldly attempt to persuade Gramir and his crew to leave Edmark and never return. Pick a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from Diplomacy. 10 from Mind. 10 from Mora. Success is 75 or more, but don't get that. Presumably, you'll come down to a fight. Pick now. 137, success. 16 XP to diplomacy. In what can only be deemed a brilliant display of tact, persuasion and bravado, you manage to convince Gramir and his crew to leave peacefully and to never return to Ebmark. Your... Have no trouble from us, grumbles Gramir, as he orders his men to reload the mysterious crates onto the small boat. Hurry up now. Off to find some friendly shores. Oh dear. <laughs> At last, when the small boat and its occupants are no longer in sight, you turn and make your way out of the cove, heading steadily but cautiously in the direction of Edmark. Through word with it will never reach your ears, Gramir's life ends. Abruptly, perhaps a week after his encounter at the cove, perhaps perceiving his unwillingness to stand up to you as weakness, the three men who long served as cohorts of the brigand suddenly turned the tables on the scourge of Edmark, bludgeoning to death the very cudgels that so often been employed at his behest. And while his body may never, may... While his body may never be found, it's reasonably safe to assume that Gramir's remains likely lie somewhere in the chill depths of Lake Ebark. You, you return to Ebark and early the following morning find yourself seated at the small room just off the back of the Beast Den's main hall. Jim Carmiff, property of the tavern, nods grimly when he announces that he, the others in town, will no longer be bothered by Gramir. And forgive me for asking, but can we be certain of this? When you tell him you're reasonably certain Grandmaier will not ret- again return to Edmark, he exhales sharply and suddenly smiles. But he did not mean to doubt what you said, he says. You've done all of us a great service. I don't think you- I can thank you enough, but I can try. 
Jimmy retrieves a heavy cloth bag and hands it to you. Peering into the sack, you discover it is filled with gold. 250 gold, to be precise. Without Gremier and his irk lurking about, this town will be a different sort of place, he says. You've earned every bit of that, my friend. If there were more I could give give you, I would. Thank you. As you prepare to leave, Durin subtly tells you that this entire affair will remain a secret. I won't even whisper it to Lesser, he said. She can keep things to herself, mind, and she usually does. But this, this whole business is better kept just between us. You agree with Durin and a tavern keep. Rejoin as Tavern Keep seems both pleased and relieved. He then wishes you luck, tells you not to be a stranger to either Edmark or the Beast Den. New beginning around here, that's what it is, he says as you depart. A new beginning full of promise and hopefully prosperity. May the All Father keep you, Soup. Oh, and there's pet Oh, and there's Ale and Paler to be had just down here. As much as you like. Just down there. As much as you like, you thank him, bid him farewell, and make your exit. Standing outside the tavern, you watch as a group of seven children, closely follow, following closely the heels of the stern-faced woman, make their way along the town's muddy main thoroughfare. As they pass the tavern, one of the children, a tall girl whose head is covered with an unkept mop of waven hair, steals out the possession and washes up to you. Before you quite know what's happening, she grabs your white shot hand, turns it over, and presses something small and cold into it. You can keep it, she says, flashing you a mysterious smile, before turning and slipping back into the departing flock. She looks back only once as her group turns a corner in the lane and disappears from view. Almost immediately, your curious gaze becomes fixed on a copper coin, resting in the centre of your right hand. You closely examine the worn piece and discover that one side bears an etching of a scar. It's a copper coin scar. You retrieve this copper coin from a young girl in Edmark while standing outside the Beast Den Tavern. One side of the coin bears an etching of a star. Wondering what, if any, significance may be attached to the to the unexpected acquisition. You slip the coin in amongst your other possessions, then bowing to momentarily put both the strange encounter and your confrontation with Gramir out of mind. You wander along the lane, happy to just stroll for a while and take in the many sights and sounds of Evmark. That finishes this adventure with 256 XP to general and 16 XP to all skills and powers. And that's that. Okay, that's it for now. Next time, we'll do something else. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. 
As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.